the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me as ever in the uh, boot room is editor Trevor Traham. Hello. So Trevor, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get on to Premier League review Yep. in a lot of detail Yep. for you. That's Sad fine. day. Trevor's actually sporting a black armband in the podcast <laughs> uh, in honour of his West Ham battlers who went down. But let's kick off... Uh, I wish they did bow. FA Cup final. Yes. <sighs> Do all the promise we'd hoped for a cracker. It was another damp squib of a final, really, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I mean, it, it did have its moments. I, th- I think that um, Stoke did well to no, not did well. I was surprised how long they stayed in the game. I mean, particularly that save from Balotelli, that was that was awesome, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, Sarnson had a good yeah. game. Um, curling Ryan, but yeah, I, th- I think Stoke and Stoke got heavily criticised for the the way that they took on this team that. You know, it took several millions of dollars to assemble, but I don't think you know that they were playing within their means. The problem, the outlets that they had were um, Everton and Pennant. You know, they're they're two genuinely, genuinely good wingers. We just didn't see enough of them. But Everton was nowhere near fit. I mean, no. he was playing on half a leg. You no, know, they, he, they were in, cobbling. In hindsight, he probably shouldn't have started. But I think, you know, they they have their their way of playing, and I think it was, you know, I'm I'm not sure they had the personnel, or obviously they didn't have the personnel. Pulis felt they didn't have the personnel to change that style and and bring someone else in, and w- that would have wouldn't have been a natural winger, and maybe change the way they played. It was a bit. I mean, it was quite funny in that quite a few people have been sort of, you know, coming out and saying, you know, Stoke are not just a long ball team. They've developed another sort of, you know, another yeah. dimension to their play, and they just didn't show it the weekend. They came across as just a long ball team who's really pinned their only hopes of success on the lapse long throws or you know set pieces delivery into the box. Mm. And Man City are probably one of the best equipped teams to deal with that in that they've got a very strong keeper in Joe Hart who's more than happy to come for crosses and a, and a solid sort of back line that, that will stand up to that. Yeah, but that was actually the kind of reason I wanted Stoke to win. I actually wanted them to win to prove a point that football can be played in many different ways. It didn't work out for them and, and if you play that cup final over numerous times it probably wouldn't work out for them that often. But you can win games ugly and it is sometimes you need to call upon that. When you are taking on the most expensively assembled football team ever, then you perhaps have to just sort of change, you know, there's no point trying to pass it around in the deck, they'll murder you. Mm. So I'm not completely critical of the Stoke, I just don't think they changed it quick enough. I mean, they were a lot better in the second half. The first half, they were awful Stoke, yeah. absolutely terrible. I, you know, I, I just think, I wonder if you you, know, you spoke to the Stoke fans, I mean, and, and credit to the Stoke fans for making hell of a racket all game, and also, and more staying. importantly, staying yeah. to watch Man City lift the cup and to applaud their team. I mean, you know, it was their first, uh, you know, their, their first, I think it's the first cup final for a, for a long time. Um, obviously, they're still without winning it, but... Um, but yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. But I think in the cold light of day, if they watch that game again, they'd probably feel that, you know, they didn't really give it a go. Like, you know, with, mm. with 20 minutes. And I, and I guess the point is how much of a go could they give it with the personnel? Maybe they'll look at it and say they did. But... Well, they did have a chance, didn't they? When uh, Hart made a good one When Kenwin Jones so, yeah. was through, yeah. And that yeah. was the sort of thing they needed, wasn't it? That kind of breakaway and then slip it in and then, you know, you're away. A little bit different to how it worked out in the semi-forum. I think they were three up at half-time, weren't they? Yeah, and, and again, I think... Um, 
you know, I, I was when we were talking about why, how long it's been since there was a great cup final. Um, you could probably say West Ham, West Ham Liverpool yeah. was a great cup final. Uh, not wasn't at Wembley. Was it was that a, that was a Cardiff, which Cardiff, is the better stadium it? anyway. Um, but I do think part of the reason as well is is playing the semi finals there. Hmm. Because I think, you know, it used to be that, you know, the cup final was that was the first time a lot of the fans have been, a lot of the players have been, but they've been a few weeks before. And I do think that sort of, you know... I hate it. I've always it, hated it. It, I've, it I've takes never... away from the occasion, yeah. but I also think it, 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 it lessens the impact of that day, that this is our day, you know, this is our, we've got one shot at this, you mm. know, and I think having won a semi-final at Wembley... The danger is, is that the final sort of becomes a bit less of an event, mm. um, well, I, and we don't get good as good a games as a result. I went to the the West Ham Liverpool final, but the semi was was at your manor, was at Villa Park, yeah. and that was great because it felt like an away trip, you know, all yeah, on the road, yeah. you know, and it felt different. And the final wasn't at Wembley; it was at Cardiff, but Cardiff is a thousand times better than Wembley ever will be. Um, but it's just having it in separate locations was just made the difference, really. Yeah. Um, you know, no, no, uh, you couldn't fail to see what it meant to the Man City players, staff, and the fans. Um, Mancini, you would imagine now, has, has definitely got another year to take this team forward and into the Champions League. Um, looking increasingly likely, like they'll get automatic Champions League, so without the need to uh, to go for the playoffs, that looks like increasingly like Arsenal. Um, is he the right man for the job? Do we think that you know he's deserved this chance now to to stay? I mean, they'll obviously spend again in the sum in the summer now to for a Champions League tilt. Yeah, I mean, I know they've got a bottomless pit of money, but to get another manager in with another set of ideas that's going to want to sell, you know, he will want to sell a load of those sort of players. People like Balotelli, they might come in and go, well, he's a problem. You know, I didn't buy him. Sell him on for last. Someone else got to come and sell him. No, no, de- de- definitely Mancini for for next season. And and they'll, you know, as we'll discuss later, they're, they're firming up for third place as well. Yeah. So an FA Cup win and a top three finish. I know they spent a lot of money. That's not bad for this season. It's next season when they'll people will be asking questions about cracking the the top two. Simon Hill's column that we're just putting to bed now for the next issue is good. He he was over there for both the yeah. semi and the final, and it it was so true. It, he says in there, it's like. You know, all, all those years, 35 years without, you know, anything, low, you know, going to away games on sort of lower tier division fixtures. It's all worth it when you get, you know, no matter how bad your team is, every so often something good will happen and, you know, it's worth carrying on following them. Yeah, good. And, and the funny thing was, is that obviously uh, a few hours before this, Man United had wrapped up their uh, 19th title to uh, to overtake Liverpool as the uh, with the most sort of top flight titles in England. Um, but it's quite funny. I heard some City fans on Twitter saying, "Yeah, yeah, you've done that, but you're not the last Manchester team to win a trophy." <laughs> Two hours <laughs> later, Man City won the FA Cup. So that's got but a very good day for Manchester all round. Yeah, um, that, that I mean that's such a rarity, isn't it? I don't know if it's happened before, but that's a pub quiz question in years to come, isn't it? And there was still, there was there was a banner that was consistently uh, draped over the sort of uh, the middle section of the Stretford end that they've now removed that had a year count for the. Years since Man Man City had won a trophy, and they've had to take it down now. So, yep. uh, all right. Well, let's let's move on to the Premier League. Uh, obviously, Manchester United wrapped up that title with uh, with a one all draw against Blackburn. Um, and if you watch the last ten minutes, it was obvious that it was a draw that Blackburn settled for as well. Uh, with Manchester United just sort of playing the ball around at the back with a one one draw enough for them to get the title, and Blackburn seemed 
happy with a point. Happy with a point. I mean, we'll you know we'll we'll talk about that later. But I mean, that could come back to haunt them because they're still not at that. That point did not take them out of trouble. They're still right in it. They're not no, but the dangers of pushing for a winner against a Man U side so good on the break. I'd, I'd still say um, most teams would take a point at home to Man U. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, let's talk about the title. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a phenomenal achievement. You know, this, that's his twelfth Premier League yeah. title. Um, so when you think about that, when the, when the Premier League started, Liverpool had eighteen titles and Man United seven. So to make that up in the Premier League era is is quite remarkable, and and probably, you know, I've, I've done a couple of radio interviews on this. Yeah, probably his best achievement, you'd say, with the squad that he's had. A lot of people were tipping them to struggle to stay in the top four. Me included. Um, well, no, not the top four, but I, I couldn't see him winning the title. You know, but he, and he's consistently rotated his squad with, without really seeming to, to weaken the side. You know, he's mm. rotated Berbatov, Nanny. He's played gigs wide. He's played gigs through the middle. He's used Skulls sparingly. He's played Carrick, Park, Berbatov, swapped with Rooney and Hernandez. Yet they just seem to march on. And, and if you look at it, interestingly enough, they're, I think they've got the same away record as Blackpool. Yeah, they're hideous. Yeah, away. They're, they've had an awful season. They've had a lot of draws. Um, but it's just their home form. Yeah. I mean, it's been 17 wins and one draw yeah. at home. To, so to concede, you know, if you go through a season only conceding <clears throat> two points at home, you're not going to be far off the top, as it's yeah. proved. I like the Ryan Giggs interview at the end of the game where he went up and you know, basically asking him, is it a surprise to have won because it's not the best team? He just turned around because, yeah, we've won the title we're in the Champions League final. We're rubbish, aren't we? Yeah. Which is probably a fair point. But it's one of the lowest points ever, isn't it, for a for a winner? Yeah, but I think as well, I, I heard some say that um, they're only if they win their last game uh, at home to Blackpool, they'll have actually bettered the points total than the 1999 lauded team that won the treble. Right. I think they won it with 79 points that season. Right, OK. But I mean, um, they've had times where they've been up, you know, well into the 80s and stuff. Oh, yeah. But, and... I, you know, I think that's a, that's a sign that, you know, a lot of... Uh, you know, they've lost four games away from home. So, uh, you know, and the teams around there have, have beaten them. Obviously, they've lost to Liverpool and and the like. So, uh, I mean, let's let's look at some of the other results. Trev, let's... We've got to go to Wigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk me through it. Two nil up at half time. It was unbelievable. We were chatting about it, though, wasn't it? And and you talk about and I'm, I might blog on this um, next week. Um, the A League is nowhere near ready ha- ready to have relegation. I'm I'm not suggesting that. But what an incredible advert that go. Two teams scrapping it out end to end. I mean, it was. I've watched it again since. You know, knowing yeah, yeah. the score, and I just watched it just and I thought to this use is what a, it's an, off, an oft used analogy. It was like two. Drunks yeah. <laughs> slugging it out on the pavement. It was like, right, you have a crack at hitting me, then I'll have it. And it seemed like I said this to you at the title on Monday, having watched it, it seemed like in the last 10 minutes, whoever had the ball mm. had three extra men. Yeah. Because they just got the ball, made two or three passes, and ended up 3v3 or yeah. 4v3 yeah. in the opponent's third. Both defences were stood on the edge of their 18 yard <laughs> box, it seemed. And it was just like. Right, who's going to get the goal? Um, so, I mean, it, it, it sealed West Ham's fate. It sealed Avram's Grant, Avram Grant's fate. Um, I mean, how did you feel about the timing of that? I thought it was a bit gratuitous, you know. Yeah. That, I just mean, smacked it, to me of, like, the the porno dwarves and Cam Brady. Yeah. You know, just sort of uh, proving a point and, you know, like kicking. You know, it's like, why can't they wait until the Monday? Yeah, know, I, th- I, th- I think the Monday. I mean, I don't, in the grand scale of things, it's not going to make a lot of difference. Not, you know, he's gone and the next manager is not going to need to worry about that. But yeah, I mean, you know, they could have waited. I think they were just 
angry really, but Avron has gone never to return another Premier League job. Well, you say that. <laughs> no, he won't. Well, he's got the uh, he's got the uh, unenvied reputation now or record of taking two teams down in consecutive Premier League seasons with Portsmouth last year and West Ham this year. So, um, I mean, it started so well. Bar, couple of goals. He looks a great player. I mean, we're still kind of half hopeful that um, he's going to, you know, kick on for next season. But one fell, I'm quite philosophical about it. I'm quite looking forward to going down and seeing the young lads play. And Chance what, to win something. Win some, yeah, win some games. I mean... The bottom line is there's still a club called West Ham that I'm going to watch the results every week. You know, my, my involvement in the club hasn't dismin- diminished. They've just That's all to... you're going to watch, though, because you're not going to see them on the telly much. No, but, you know, they're still around. The, the only thing that can go wrong is when your club folds and you don't have a club. But then yeah. another club sparks up anyway. It's an investment you can never lose on. But I'm um, interested in who... An Aussie, the West Ham, the famed West Ham Academy. An Aussie's just won our Academy Player of the Year. That Dylan, oh, yeah? yeah, Dylan Tombolis. I think I might have butchered his surname there. But um, yeah, he's looking brilliant in the Academy. He moved him up to reserves, banging in goals there. So Excellent. the relegation could, a bit like what happened with Reese Williams when Middlesbrough went down. Might give him the opportunity when some of the bigger names clear you know, out. If, yeah. if he's our best young player and he's a sort of free-scoring striker, I reckon he'll get a go in the Championship next season. So look out for him. Cool. Elsewhere at the top, Chelsea uh, were held at home uh, by Newcastle with uh, an injury time goal from uh, Stephen Taylor. Uh, Arsenal's horror end to the season continued. Get in. Darren Bent. Super Darren Bent on target with two smartly taken first half goals. And then uh, we took a bit of a battering, but um, held firm. Van Persie got a late consolation goal. Did Um, you see the Bent stat? There's lots of Bent stats coming I out. I started a few of them. Yeah, yeah, but um, do you see the, the one from Opta about where Villa would be without him? Yeah. 19th, isn't it? But, I yeah. mean, you can say a lot of the main striker from any yeah. club going. But that's but that's still, assuming that no one played in his place. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it, that's still a big difference, no, isn't ma- it? Oh, massive. You know, like I said, you know, everyone scoffed at the money that we paid yeah. for him, but he has, you know, and I would, uh, you know, I would put my hand on my heart and say it's, he has single-handedly kept us up. His mm. goals have. And he could have had a lot more, you know, had he taken the penalties, you yeah. know, which he normally does, but Ashley Young, being Ashley Young, has insisted on keeping it. Um, he could have had sort of, you know, 11 in, 11 in sort of 15, 16 games, which would have been a phenomenal return. Um, you know, and so that 20 million cost of relegation, no guarantee you're going to come straight back up. It's more than paid for himself. Yeah. Uh, Spurs. Surprisingly, got back to winning ways with two 0 win at, at Liverpool. I was um, surprised. Liverpool, yeah, flying. Liverpool been on fire, and this was uh, uncharacteristically sort of uh, flat effort from them, particularly at home. Last game at home. Um, so Spurs uh, ending the season on a high. They had, I don't think they won there for was it eighteen years, something like that. It might, I think it was eighteen seasons since they'd won at Liverpool. Van der Vaart got them off, uh, and Van der Vaart seems to have committed himself to Spurs. I mean. We've seen that before, but he's making all the right signals that he's going to stay there. He's really gone off the ball, though, isn't he, the second half, compared to how he started in the first yeah, half I mean, that, of the season. Yeah, I mean, that chest and volley from 20 yards is awful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> down the bottom, where it's getting interesting, obviously West Ham's fate was sealed. Uh, however, there was some uh, there was some other cracking games, most notably at Blackpool with a, with a 4-3 ding-dong with Bolton, uh, which Blackpool um, came out on top with a winner from Charlie Adam. Uh, Wolves won at Sunderland. Obviously, Wigan beat West Ham. Birmingham got beaten at home by Fulham and, and Blackburn picked up a point. So the, the situation where we're left with is that there are 
there are five teams going into the final Sunday. I'm sure Sky have created a a moniker think, for it yeah, by now, yeah. you know. Dead relegation destiny. It'll be something <laughs> like that, you know. Um, but anyway, we've got Blackburn on 40 points, Wolves on 40 points, Birmingham on 39 points, Blackpool on 39 points, and Wigan on 39 points. So we're going to be left with one of those Sundays where fans will have transistor radios or probably iPods these days. Yeah. Like to their ears, and I love. I love that. It spreads like, through the stadium. I love that moment, yeah, like yeah. When, when like sort of someone's got a goal's gone in elsewhere, and the crowd starts going off, and there is nothing happening on the pitch of the game that they're watching. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's one of the best sights in football. So I'm looking forward to that this Sunday. But we'll preview the games uh, and the permutations of that uh, in the final part. Overnight, early this morning, uh, Porto defeated Braga in the uh, all Portuguese. Europa League final in Dublin. Um, good night out for the Portuguese in Dublin. Um, free score in Porto. Only, only managed to get the one. Uh, it was a bit of a scrappy uh, encounter, but uh, one moment of quality from uh, Falcao, who's been on phenomenal form this season. Won it for them uh, just before half-time. Mm. Porto unbeaten all season. Yeah. 38 points ahead of Braga in the end. So, yeah, no surprise. And they have, uh, their coach, uh, up-and-coming young coach, Andrew Lowe. Villas Boas uh, looks like he's going to stay at Porto for another year um, and obviously have a crack at the Champions League. He's so. very young, isn't he? Well, 33. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Another Mourinho protege. So uh, so we look forward to seeing them uh, have, a ch- have a tilt at the Champions League next season. All right, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two to look at some of the news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to look at some of uh, the local news over the last week uh, since we were with you last. Uh, Matildas, Trev, have had a couple of games, a couple of warm-up games, the final warm-up games on home soil before they head off to Germany uh, for the World Cup. Mixed bag, really. I mean, they, they uh, probably a second string beat New Zealand on, I think it was Thursday, in a sort of behind-closed-doors game. Um, and then they they struggled, really, on the, on Sunday, I felt, having watched the game. I mean, there's a good crowd there, 2,800 just overturned up. Um, they won in the end 2-1 with uh, Colette McCallum, a, a, a nicely taken free kick from the edge of the box. But, um, you know, they made hard work of it, and they've got a lot of work to do, you'd say. Yeah, I mean... He's, you know, Tommy is trying out new things to get an idea of, of how they can play. It, it's not overly convincing, but I think people read into pre-tournament friendlies a little bit too much, you know, anyway. I think it's just about getting match fit and making sure they're ready for that first game against Brazil. And the match was sort of overshadowed on a bit of a cloud from uh, the star forward, Lisa Devanna, um, was uh, was booted from the squad uh, on yeah. the Saturday night um, for... Uh, We've we've not heard any detail. I've, I'm not I'm not aware of any detail. But the, the the FFA made a release that said that it was following a breach of team rules, 
has set out in the National Code of Conduct. Tom Somali said, unfortunately, Lisa couldn't adhere to some of the team's non-negotiable behavior, non-negotiable behavior parameters. Mm. And we have made a decision for the benefit of the entire squad. Now, what what it didn't go on to say is is that was it just for this camp, or is or is that it? Is she out of World Cup? contention i spoke to aiden about it, actually um she is still in world cup contention she's she still might go to the world cup they're, they're just kind of dropping it from that but i mean she has returned to the u.s in terms of what she did wrong she didn't apparently didn't do any one thing wrong it was just a persistent sort of not doing media um work not you know not training hard just loads and loads of little things yeah um and one of the players apparently sort of said just generally acting like a bit of a a bit of an idiot really right. not, not being focused felt that she was an influence on, on the rest of the squad and then they've just discarded she's, her I mean she's an inch you know there's no debate in her you know the explosive you know ability that she brings but she's quite interesting in that you know even at the last World Cup Tom very rarely started her she she came off the bench mm. and, and she's never seemed to be a 90 minute player it's you know it's just seems the nature of her game is more of an impact player yeah I mean you could be a little bit concerned with, with her gone and, and Kate Gill's injury yeah but one thing that we've got loads of is strikers um, and I think that you know uh, Simon and Kerr the youngsters that were originally planning just to kind of be subs and come on energy at the end, they might have to be leaned on from the start. But Yeah, my, my, I mean, my only I mean, no doubt in their, their technical ability, my concern is the, the physicality will be up a notch at the World Cup. I mean, mm. we saw that in the last World Cup. And Devano and Gill have got that sort of more physical presence that, that I think we might we might struggle with, with, with the two sort of smaller girls up front. But I'm sure they'll work it out and hopefully... Uh, Tom Somani and uh, and Lisa can come to an agreement and and sort things out because definitely uh, the Matildas would be weaker at the World Cup uh, without her. I think possibly uh, Kate Gill's injury would be the difference between her making it. They might go and, yeah, and go we look can't with, yeah not. with Kate out. Yeah. We can't you know not bring her. We're talking uh, World Cups uh, overnight. The uh, Joeys have been drawn in a in a very tough group at the Under Seventeen World Cup, which kicks off next month as well. Busy time. Under Twenty awesome. World Cup, Under yeah. Seventeen World Cup, Women's World Cup. Thank God. I was wondering what we were going to no, write no, about. Exactly, yeah. um, but anyway, they have drawn Cote d'Ivoire, Brazil, and Denmark in next. Uh, they were drawn by a very, very attractive Mexican lady. Miss Universe. Was it? I think so. There yeah. you go. Yeah. You're, you're, there not, you have you're, it. you're not wrong with your assessment. <laughs> I was obviously just going from the picture and remember the story. But, uh, glad to see I've still got the eye. <laughs> yeah, but not I mean, easy. So, yeah, tough. I mean, you know, the women have got Brazil. The under-17s have now got Brazil. Um, <laughs> no matter where you play Brazil, what level, men's, women's, under seventeen, senior, they're good. Yeah. Um, and also another tough thing about taking on someone like Ivory Coast is that their young players will be, you know, as strong and as fit as, you know, fully blown premiership players. Like yeah. They will, you know, develop at a rate that's going to be very difficult to handle. So that is a, hot, a really tough group. And interestingly as well, the, uh, I think the first two games are going to be played on an artificial surface. Mm. Which we've been reading about lately, haven't they? Saying that the new artificial surfaces are, you know, are just as good as grass and the ones in the future might be even better yeah. it's not like the old Luton ground where you lose half your thigh for a sliding challenge or anything they're, yeah. they're pretty good these well they're training fields they're, they've been given a, a both artificial and grass they're definitely the final games on grass um, so they'll have the chance to practice on both um, interesting yardstick to see the progression 
you know, under uh, Jan Verslaan and the yeah. you know the Dutch sort of development system. I mean, this is the you know let's if we think about this, you know the, these guys are you know sixteen now, um, four or five years time, you know probably World Cup two thousand eighteen. This should be the the nucleus of the Socceroos squad. Yeah, we're going to have that debate that we seem to have every time about the the results versus performance you know learning type thing i'm sure if results go badly we'll hear about they're just there to get experience if they go well we'll hear about how great these players are well i mean obviously the you know the, the ideal is the combination of the two is to yeah. play you know attractive you know progressive winning football well I, th- I think we'll we'll certainly attempt to play um how we'll fare against playing like that against those types but you know i agree that that's you know i'm more interested you know those lads picking up experience you know and playing a style of football that will get them a, a contract in Europe than going on and winning it but yeah if we can do both great yeah and uh, excellent against the uh, SBS stepping up to the mark with yep. the free to air TV coverage of this uh, obviously the Women's World Cup is uh, exclusively live on SBS uh, and the Joey's matches uh, so the three group games the semi-finals and the final of the under 17 World Cup will be broadcast live on SBS Times Mexico, Mexico. Mm, don't know. It's not Europe. It's before Europe. <laughs> Could be like sort of. I don't know. Is it ever good though? Rarely. Yeah. It's re- re- you rarely go. Oh, well, that's perfect. Yeah, probably the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll try and we'll try and do our little. Do you know what? In the break, we'll come back and we'll tell you uh, tell you what sort of time difference it is in Mexico. Um, Celtics tour was confirmed this week. Uh, they will play. The Central Coast Mariners at ANZ on July the 2nd, Perth Glory a week later, and then Melbourne victory at Amy Park. Um, some reaction uh, on the Celtic website. Um, Celtic's a global club, really looking forward to leading the team down under as club captain, said Scott Brown. Uh, they, you know, they were talking about the fact that they only got to play one game in 2009, that's at Brisbane, so they're looking forward to uh, getting out on the road. Celtic's uh, Greek striker, Georgia Samaras, uh, who played at the MCG for Greece in the uh, pre-World Cup friendly in 2006. Got family in Melbourne. Really? Family in Melbourne? Family in Melbourne. As he says, largest Greek expat population in the world. So, uh, you know, I, I can't see the Amy Park game not selling out, to be honest. Yeah. And, uh, and I think Perth will definitely. I know that um, Tribal Sports, who are the promoter, Lou Sticker, uh, is... Uh, Price in the ANZ game very keenly. Yep. Uh, I think tickets are early 20s for, uh, for general admission and kids under 12 are free. It's a Saturday night. Um, I don't think it clashes with any rugby league or or, um, or AFL, so no excuse. You know, even if you don't support Central Coast Mariners, you know, get out there, enjoy the spectacle. They're creating home ends for both the home team and Celtic, um, so it should be a cracking atmosphere. And uh, Maybe we can get a few pointers for uh, for the coming A-League season. Mm. Staying with Celtic, uh, Trev, you spoke to Greg Robertson. Yep. He's... Who's their International Academy Development Officer. They're coming down under, uh, timed around the, the, the playing tour, the professional tour, to do some um, some coaching seminars, but also some uh, some kids' coaching clinics in the summer holidays. Yeah, I mean... The winter holidays, is he? Yeah, I mean, Greg, when I was chatting to him, has a, a real soft spot for for Australia and for Australian players. Um, and it's a real target for them to kind of be running these academies, um, you know, because it's good for the Celtic brand, he was saying, but also because they could spot the next big thing, you know, the next good player. So um, they're looking, you know, they've got a partnership with Schofield Scorpions over here. Um, 
that you know they're bringing out these academies just you know looking for Aussie players and you know if any if anyone could get along to one of those coaching things it, it'd be well worth it I'd say yeah I'll definitely be heading along so I'll, uh, I'll let you know how, how it is mm. uh, Adelaide not the best of news coming out of Adelaide that uh, Rini Coolen has revealed that um, Johnny Warren medalist Marcus Flores is has yet to respond to the club's three year deal and could still leave the club on a free transfer Um not nightmare scenario, really. No. Not not just for Adelaide, but um, for the league as a whole. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you need. We've got this big off season, haven't we? Coming off the back of lots of negative stuff, you need as much positive stuff as possible. So the league's best player leaving on a free is not exactly ideal. I mean, I was always under the impression that he was going to leave anyway. I, I thought that the MLS was beckoning, and if he's got the option to go on a free, it seems even more likely. Well, I mean, what are the chances of signing a three-year deal? It seems. I suppose it depends, you know, like on the same token, Carlos Hernandez has come out this week and said he loves it here, his family have really settled here, he wants to sign a deal to keep him at victory to stay here for the rest of his career. Well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't, I think have, it he doesn't have to... depends on that it, lifestyle, you know. It does doesn't have family... to train. <laughs> you know, it, doesn't, it trains at half pace. But then we, you know, Best we, player at the club. I think so much of it depends on their family and whether the family settles here. We've had, you know, we've had players that have cited sort of, you know... Struggling to settle here, you know, Patricia Perez being the most recent one, whereas others seem to adapt and, and love it here. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting in that sense, isn't it, moving to Australia? Because it, as amazing a country as it is, because it's so far away from everywhere else, people struggle with it. Yeah. So, yeah, like you say, it could go either way. Right, Sydney FC, uh, some movement on their playing roster. Uh, they have announced that there are four players that they will not be re signing. Uh, Stuart Mishalik, Stefan Keller, Brendan Gann and uh, Kofi Danning, who was, you know, like Builder's bright hope. Well, I think we had him as a World Cup wild card for Did South he? Africa. <laughs> you had him as a World Cup wild card. No, collective team. Um, yeah, it's a He's sort of flattered to deceive in, in, you know, in, in, in flashes he's shown ability. He's had, a, he's had a bit of a horror run with injury, to, mm. to, you know, to be fair to him. Um and I suppose, you know, from, from Sydney's perspective, if there are still opportunity, you know, problems with his fitness or doubts over his fitness, then, they, you know, with a limited squad and a limited salary cap, they probably need to look elsewhere. Exactly. I'm sure there's some 36-year-old players that Sydney have signed on a free that they'd rather <laughs> they'd rather play in, the, in those spots. I mean, there was, they've signed a couple of younger lads, haven't they, for the academy? Yeah, they've that's what I want a to couple st- of lads up yeah, in the National Youth League. That's what I want to see from Sydney next season if... if more of those type of players given a chance. And just check out Bo Bush's uh, next you know, most recent blog on the site. He talks about the National Youth League and I think he cites there's been 45 players already that have um, elevated through the National Youth League to get full-time gigs at, um, on a full A-League squad. So mm. you know, that suggests that the pathway is working. Um, whether they're getting the, 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 the full opportunities at A-League level, we can still discuss. And obviously that's uh, been a you know, a bugbear of hamburger is are these kids then getting the opportunities to, to play first team football? Well, I mean, I think there was a lot of talk around uh, Karen Bullet, wasn't there, when he was, at, you know, thrashing in goals for the Sydney youth team and ended up going to Europe before he even played in the A League because he wasn't given a chance to play for Sydney's A League team. What'll be really interesting next season is how the Gold Coast go, have had the, the, the best young side for the last couple of years and, and they're going to lean on those youngsters next season. So we'll find out how good they are. All right, uh, Richard Garcia, um, not good news on his injury front either. His, uh, his hopes of winning a new deal from Hull have been hit by the... Uh, it's been revealed that he could probably miss the rest of this year, i.e. the start of next season after knee surgery. 
his deal expires in July. He was hoping for a new deal. Um, but obviously, until he's gone through the rehab and they, they see how he comes out the other side, you'd say they're probably unlikely to... Um, yeah, you you were not to offer him a deal, particularly with a cruciate ligament injury, which it appears that it now is, and he's had the operation. Although, having said that, have you heard about this? The, the, the new this, fibers. Yeah, this Lars procedure that um, Nick Malcheski for Sydney Swans yeah. was played played three months after having a knee reconstruction. It used to end your career, didn't it? Yeah, it used to, you know. when I did mine, I never had mine reconstructed. But when I did mine in nineteen ninety, it was it was an eighteen month. Recovery, you know, it was before like, or after the World Cup. It's just before that was what ruled me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to withdraw. Yeah, attention. So we could have gone all the way, England. So then. Bobby never got over it. <laughs> um, I can take a decent penalty. It would have been handy. Um, if for nothing else, we just have to check. Probably the headline of the week from Kev: Invisible Invincibles. A lucky lack of invincibility. <laughs> Yeah, well there done. it is. Headline of the week. Uh, he's been just been released uh, from his uh, in Scotland, but he estimates that he's been on standby for the Socceroos squad sixteen times. And when he finally got a call up for the games against Korea and the Republic of Ireland in two thousand and nine, he was forced to withdraw through injury. Yeah, there we go. Will we see him come back? Uh, age isn't really on his side, is it? Is he now? 32? 32, yeah. yeah. And lots of talk of bringing through the next generation and it seems pretty difficult. It might it might be uh, on standby a few more times. That'd be good. All right, that's it for uh, part two. We'll be back in part three to look at some of the news headlines from further afield in a, in a bit of a world news roundup. I'm off to check the time zones between Mexico and Australia. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, where we go behind the scenes of EPL Giants Liverpool. We interview new owner John W. Henry, plus returning coach Kenny Dalglish on their master plans to bring the title back to Anfield. We have the first major interviews with Liverpool's new strike force of Andy Carroll and Luis Suarez. Plus a profile on how Captain Steven Gerrard might reinvent himself as a centre-back while Jamie Carragher chats Australia, including if he would consider joining the A-League. Elsewhere, we're in Utrecht with housemates Tommy Orr, Michael Zulo and Adam Sirota. We look at match-fixing in Asia and if it could come to Australia. Plus our 2011 Reader's Census reveals what you really think of the A-League, FFA and Ben Buckley. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the third part of this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I ran out of the, uh, the boot room just to check on the time difference between Mexico and uh, Australia. And as far as I can tell, it's actually quite a, quite a pleasing time zone. Favourable. Because 6pm, uh, the Joeys have two games at 6pm, which as far as my calculations or Google tells me is 9am in, uh, in Australia and 3pm is one of the games, which is 6am. So... Uh, not too bad at all. Before work or when you've just got into it. Beautiful. So, uh, yeah, good. Excellent. All right. Uh, bit of world news. Carlos Tevez, uh, even post uh, winning the FA Cup uh, as captain and, and Man City qualifying for the uh, Champions League, has, uh, has said that he still wants to look at the possibilities of a summer move. Um, what do you think? Massive loss. <laughs> Massive loss for City. I mean... Watched him uh, against Stoke during the week, and he's he's really sort of um, you know when he's back on fitness, he's he's one of the best players in the league. Um, but the writing is on the wall, isn't it? You can just tell he's not happy. I mean, I, I thought he was heading home 
was the original talk. You know, that was the reason it was, it was on a personal level that he'd had enough of playing in Europe. Keen on a move to Spain or Italy now tells you that that's not the case. I had more respect when I thought it was a move. Back I think then. the key line in this uh, in this story is uh, Tevez has a meeting with his advisor Kia Jarabchian. Oh. I think that's the key line in yeah. this whole story. He loves the transfer. He loves a move. <laughs> loves a move. <laughs> Slice out of that. Yeah, and also what's interesting, and this is a piece from uh, Daniel Taylor in the Guardian that. Um, the uh, owners, the Abu Dhabi group, uh, Abu Dhabi United group, have actually said that they won't be funding um, a huge recruitment program. That they're, uh, it won't be like last summer or the summer before. Uh, this is Cal Dunal Mubarak. Uh, said what you'll see is a strengthening of the squad in key areas where we feel we require more depth. We don't need quantity as we today we have quality. We just need a couple more players. So um, maybe it won't be a, a summer of free spending from Man City. But also those couple of players could be. <laughs> You know. But also, you think wherever they bring players in, it's going to free up a couple of players that are going to go, I've got no future here. Hmm. Well, know, I mean, I'll... look at Adam Johnson. Adam Johnson, James it's... Milner's yeah. not, you know. I'd, I'd have James Milner back at Villa Park in a heartbeat. How good of yeah. you. Come back, son. You've earned five million. We'll have you back. Um, but yeah, so it'd be interesting to see uh, who they set their sights on. I heard rumours of potentially uh, a bid for Fabregas. Um, yeah. To try and uh, snatch him from Barcelona's... Uh, Grasp. Now, the UAE League. <laughs> yeah. All no, of a sudden, just got a hell of a lot more interesting <laughs> with the rumour that Maradona is set to become the manager of Al Wazel. Is yeah. that? Yeah. I'm sure, my massive, my massive pronunciation. Fans. I think he's definitely Do you going. Think he's going he? there for the football. <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> it's hard to say. This is the guy that charges for um, interviews. Um, yeah. You can feel it slipping away for a little bit for Maradona, can't you? I mean, from managing at a World Cup, I mean, that's not going to happen again. He's now going back out to a, somewhere that can afford to bring him out there. Um, but it's disappointing. Victory not going to get him now, then. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> I think he's ruled himself out. Oh, yeah, so that's just 69 people now <clears throat> still in the running. Um, there was a bit of a back with your boys and yep. uh, Denver Bar. What could go wrong at a gala dinner including West Ham players Not and fans? Not the greatest of timings for it either, was it? Hot on the heels of being relegated <laughs> and before the final game. Yeah. What were they thinking? I, I don't think they thought they were going to be in that much trouble at the beginning of the season. So they, they had their, uh, their £275 a head gala dinner at the Grosvenor House Hotel. Uh, the day after they got relegated, or two days after they got relegated, then Denver Bar was uh, was apparently racially abused by a drunken supporter, which is uh, which is pretty ugly. Um, there was talk of him refusing to sign an autograph. He's gone on to Twitter, today's uh, preferred mode of communication by professional footballers, it would appear, to say, I did sign the autograph. I never refused to sign an autograph to the fans. And, and he did. I, the, really? the report, yeah, the report's going, he, he did. He was talking to the guy and, you know, all of a sudden, I, I think he said something, Den said, oh, you know, I'm tired from the game or whatever. And the bloke turned around and said, well, I, I'm tired of watching you lot all season. And then, cool. <laughs> then, uh, then erupted into this mad, drunken rant. And it's a shame because um, every fan... Every set of fans says they're idiots, and it's just one drunken idiot that's. Yeah. I mean, that might affect him staying. I hope it doesn't, because it was sort of fifty-fifty. I mean, imagine how good he'd be in the championship. I hope that's not the difference between him staying. There was. I can't take credit for this, but there was quite a funny uh, by a tweet from uh, Alan Sugar, 
who said no wonder no wonder he was uh, a bit sort of he- hesitant to get to sign his autograph because the last thing he signed was a West Ham contract. <laughs> Look where that got him. Uh, oh, we talked about this earlier. The uh, the ticker on the uh, Stretford and Old Trafford has been removed. It had got to thirty five number of years since Man City won a trophy. It's now been uh, it's now been removed. Um, Copa America, Japan, unfortunately, uh, have withdrawn. Um, after they were unable to secure release of their domestic and foreign-based players for the competition. They were given a wild card uh, into July's tournament in Argentina. It's something that um, that the CONMEBOL um, Confederation does each time they have a Copa America. They, they issue wild cards. I think we've seen Mexico and I think the US have, have played in it previously mm. and Japan were going to be the wild cards this year. But um, obviously the, there was a backdrop of the, uh, the devastating tsunami and earthquake which uh, originally had put their, uh, their participation in doubt. But now it actually turns out that it's, uh, it, it's their ability to assemble a squad mm. that, has, that has caused them to pull out. It's a shame because I mean, how, how great would it be to see, um, to see Australia Oh, I mean, what if, if that if that was even sort of possibly an option? Um, you know, how would we fare out there? You know, could we get a team together? It it would be an interesting challenge. So, how well we did in the last Asian Cup? I mean, I don't know what their criteria is for pulling in wild cards, but you know, imagine that yeah. Australian competition, and that would be another summer where we'd have a best interesting in competition. Yeah. yeah. Um, Talking about America, one of the uh, I was watching with interest the game on Sunday that was on the ESPN, um, the uh, Seattle versus Portland game, local derby, yeah. uh, thirty six thousand sellout in the pouring rain. Yep, everyone with their bright green max on, barely a person was sat in their seat, singing, chanting, dropping beers, <laughs> and I just looked at it and I watched it. I just thought. One day. What are we doing wrong again? <laughs> yeah. You know, Seattle, city of 600,000 people. Mm. 31,000 season ticket holders. Yeah. You know, I, mm. if, I, you know if I was Sydney SC, if I was, I would be having somebody on a plane there to go and forge a tie with someone like that, you know, forge a relationship. And they would be up for it. They're normally yeah, quite absolutely. stable you know, and stuff Forge like a that. relationship with them, become a sister club, learn from them. Go and spend a week with them. See how they promote a game. See what they do. You know, I know you've you've interviewed the guy from Vancouver and we talked about it, but you know, I'm not talking about yet. Yeah, we've got millions and build a purpose-built stadium. Of course, that helps. I'm talking how they market the game locally, how they engage with the community, how they sell match days. You know, because they're obviously doing something right. Mm. And they're battling, you know, codes, sports that are. Have always traditionally yeah, been yeah, bigger Seattle's than that. Yeah, Seattle's got an NFL same, team. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's the same problem. And what was interesting was I was on Twitter having a, a bit of a to and fro with a couple of fans, and they were saying, "Yeah, but if that was an A League game, they, we would probably all have been kicked out by security because they're all stood up, and some of them are standing on the seats." <laughs> uh, but they had a phenomenal TIFO display at the, that took up the whole end before the game. You know, and, uh, they do, the Americans do stuff like love that it. Well, though. Just they, really enjoying seeing that league develop. You know, and and rather, you know, we should. Yeah, it's becoming a major competitor to us for players. You know, we're seeing mm. Australian players on the radar. Um, you know, and they're very yeah, they're probably quite a way ahead of us in terms of development. But we should definitely be looking to them for lessons. Um, all right, playoff finals are uh, are in full swing. Uh, the what they, I think is now termed the biggest game in football. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the value of the match, will be uh, Swansea versus Reading. 
If someone wasn't a football fan and they asked what's the biggest game yeah. in football and you said Reading Swansea though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously uh, an Australian interest there with Adam Federici, two yeah. clean sheets in the uh, in the in the semi-final. Yeah. So excellent to see. It'd be great to see another uh, Aussie keeper in the Premier League. Yeah. And they you know they've got a they've got a great chance, haven't they? Well, I mean Reading I think are unbeaten in about 20 games. However, Swansea have beaten them both times they played this season, goal to nil both times. Um and under Brendan Rodgers, Swansea are playing a, a very, very attractive brand of football. It was started by Roberto Martinez before Wigan uh, took him and, and has continued. So it'd be, when was the last time we had a Welsh team in the top flight? It'd be Ooh. Swansea in the early 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the days of was Toshak manager. Mm, yeah, long, long, Joey long. Joey Jones, left long, back. Long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, so it'd be good had a bit of interest but it should be a cracking final I mean Reading a uh, good footballing uh, team as well Shane Long up front is uh, exceptional and you'd probably think that if Reading don't make it he would be on the shopping list for a number of sides in that sort of middle tier of the Premier League mm. uh, League One final will be uh, Posh Peterborough versus MK Dons and the League Two final will be uh between the winners of Accrington Stanley and Stevenage. Stevenage 2 0 up at the moment from the first game, and Shrewsbury Torquay. Torquay 2 0 up from the first game. The uh, championship final is a bit of a delay, uh, obviously, because of the um, the Euro- UEFA Champions League final being at Wembley. Um, so that game will take place uh, on Monday, the 30th of May. So uh, keep our eyes peeled with the obvious Australian interest there. That's it for part three. We will be back in the final part to preview the do-or-die clashes in this week's Premier League where uh, two teams out of five will have their premiership status extinguished. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Well, all the major championship winners have been decided in all the major leagues. So all that that leaves now is uh, deadline day for five teams. Let's talk. Let's look at the uh, the full fixture list. Obviously, being the final games, all of these games are played simultaneously. Um, Fox Sports viewers' choice is going to go into overload. <laughs> if you're anything like me, I watch four games at once during this. Yeah. Uh, so all the games kick off at four o'clock. Not the best of times for us. Pretty wasn't midday, but um, all right. Villa Liverpool. Uh, Villa. Both teams. You know, outside chances of Liverpool still nicking fifth place and a place in Europe. So plenty to play for for Liverpool. Villa still really playing just for pride. Um, still a chance that Villa could end up top 10, top half, which would probably be uh, the best they could hope for from the season that we've had. Bolton, Man City. Uh, Man City, as we talked about, striving for third spot and automatic uh, qualification for the group stages. Uh, Bolton, look like they're on holiday already. Fizzling out, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Everton, Chelsea. Chelsea... <laughs> No, no chance of them being caught, not unless uh, Man City win by 13 goals. So you think <laughs> Chelsea, uh, you know, will go through the motions there. Everton, again, you know, 
after another horror start, yeah, clawed their way every back season. Up into the they top seem seven. to do it. Yeah, their, their second half of the season form is championship winning, and their first half always tends to be relegation uh, worthy. But um, they're in seventh, pretty solid in seventh. Um, you know, they're they're a bit of a way away from Liverpool in sixth, but again, another solid performance there from from Tim Cahill's Everton. All right, Fulham Arsenal. Now, Arsenal have got a lot to play for. Um, the difference between playoffs uh, to get into the Champions League. Now, they could draw a team like Bayern, Bayern Munich. Munich. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, that's a really stupid situation for Arsenal to find themselves in, isn't it? Considering what a great chance they had to win the title, um, and you have to feel that you know, considering the position that Man U were in, the points that they've accumulated, and the fact that this is probably Fabregas' last season. One of their best chances that they'll get. Yep. Uh, Fulham, you know, finishing strongly. You know, another Mark yep. Hughes there, first year, 40, 48 points in eighth. Um, could potentially catch Everton if Everton were to lose at home to Chelsea, which would put them into seventh and a, and a solid season That's there again. That's an unbelievable season if they finish seventh. Uh, yeah. All right, Newcastle, West Brom, 11th and 12th on the table. Not much to play for, bar a couple of places. Although that's worth a few, couple of million yeah. quid. Um, okay, so let's get into the games that really matter. Man United at home to Blackpool. What Man U team will be playing? Does it matter? Well, I mean, a similar thing happened to West Ham a few years back, didn't it? Tevez scored the yeah, winner and he won there. They'd fielded a weakened team. Um, but the, the, so Blackpool aren't out of that. Oh, let's talk about it. Yeah, because there's there's an obvious edge to this in that Blackpool were fined earlier in the season for playing a weakened team that the Premier League decided was a weakened team at Villa, and we beat them three uh, two. So surely, I mean, Blackpool wouldn't mind. <laughs> That's the irony of it. Blackpool would probably want Man United to field a weakened yeah. team, but well, the rest for- of the league or the other four teams in relegation battle would probably go out in a minute. You've got surely you've got to find them, but my view of this is the Premier League have enforced a twenty-five man squad. Mm. Yeah, it's up to Alex Ferguson or Ian Holloway or any manager to decide which of those twenty-five players plays. The Premier League can't intervene and tell Ferguson what team to pick. He's you know they've won the league with the game in hand. They have the Champions League final a week later. Yeah. He can pick whichever team he wants, uh, I believe. And and he will as well. I mean, when I read the news, Fergie's already come out and said he's going to make changes. You know? But what is his weakened team? What is it? What his weakened team? The, the Premier League are going to fine Ferguson for playing Dimitar Berbatov, the league's top scorer up front. They're going to fine him for playing Nani on the left side of you know midfield instead of uh, you know like Hernandez or something like that. He was a shortlist for the for the PFA Player of the Year. You well, know what is who are the Premier League to decide what a weakened team is? It's it's a stupid rule that's designed. And they've for, set the precedent. For, yeah, yeah, clearly. But but what's the worst? I mean, how much will Man U get fined? I mean, do you think they're going to get care about being fined when they've got a Champions League final the following week? They, that's yeah, the absolutely. concern. Absolutely, and it's within their right. Same as in the same as in the World Cup. You win your first two games in the group stage of the World Cup. People on yellow cards. You yeah, can absolutely. Drop them and... It's up to the coach what team he wants to put out. Third, they've won the right to play a weakened team, you know. And I think, just think it's just silly. I just, I don't, I don't, don't get it. But anyway, um, so, so Blackpool not out of that one. You know, they're in 18th, so they're going down as things stand. But... Yeah, the thing, the thing about Blackpool is, you know, they're going to go there and they'll attack. You'll go for you know, they, you know, the the thing that might save Blackpool, and I, and I would love it if this was the case. Is the fact that if it goes to if goal difference is the same, which it is very close. I mean, there are 
three goals difference between Wolves, Birmingham, Blackpool and Wigan. So it could very, very well come down to, not to goal difference because it will be equal, but then it goes to goals scored and Blackpool are streets ahead yeah. because of the football that they've played and the, the fact that they've scored goals. And even when they've lost, they've they, they've attacked and they've scored goals. And I would love it if it was the goals that they've love scored it. that kept Love up. it. Well, gone on Keegan. <laughs> gone on Keegan. But I would. I love it if they if they stayed up on goals scored because I think that would be yeah you know, that Good would be a reward for the football they've tried to play. So I, I think they'll go and they'll they'll try and score. I am. Um, I want them to go down. Oh, why? I want Holloway. Oh, really? Yeah. I want Holloway. I want Holloway at West Ham. We need someone popular. We need someone to regenerate that club. And I, if Blackpool stay up, obviously there's no chance. He never did. He, he didn't play for you guys. Did no, he? no, 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 no. But um, yeah, he's just a character, he's isn't the, he? You're one of the few teams he didn't play for. Yeah. <laughs> he had so. a few more clubs than Sevi Ballesteros. <laughs> um, right. Uh, Stoke versus Wigan. Stoke safe. Don't care. Do they? FA Cup <laughs> hangover. Good team to play for Wigan. Would yeah, you yeah, you'd think so. Like Wigan, you know, other, other than having to be on the road and not not at home, will be pretty satisfied. That they'll probably be buzzing after that comeback win against you know West Ham to be two down at half time and then in, at last minute goal to win three two. So, you know, they're a great chance. So the two teams that are in a relegation zone have got really good chances of picking up maximum points, which is a, a worry for the three guys above. You know, it's a ridiculous scenario where you know all of these teams a win could be enough. To see them, you know, Birmingham and Blackpool, Wigan, you know, a, a draw could be enough to see them up, mm. to see them stay up. A win could be enough, but by by the same token, a win or a draw might not be enough to see them up. You know, yeah. it's so dependent on the other games. Uh, Birmingham, oh, Keegan look. again, love it if they went down. Yeah, love so, it. Th- I mean, they should have really pulled away by now. Their you know, form the since Cup. the Carlin Cup's yeah. been awful, awful. Uh, um, I, I I think they'll go down. I'd like, yeah. I really hope so. Uh, after the lauding their fans gave it when they won the Carling Cup, I'd love it if they went down. Away at Spurs, tough one. Yeah, Spurs. You know, Spurs need to secure that fifth so they can enter a tournament they don't want to enter. And um, yeah, I, th- I think that I think Birmingham will lose that, and I definitely think either either Blackpool or Wigan, who only need a point. And again, know. you know, the ridiculous situation is Birmingham, even though they're on level points, could lose to Spurs and stay up. Yeah. If Blackpool and Wigan get beat and get beat by a couple of goals, you know, it's a it's a but they, real conundrum. But they could also win and, go and down. still go down yeah. because if, <laughs> I know, if they're, they're like there's only one goal difference. It's yeah. phenomenal. It really is one of the tightest I've, I think I've ever seen. Uh West Ham Sunderland, obviously you guys are already down, that's Big irrelevant. Game. Um Wolves Blackburn. Again, this is do or die, you know, <laughs> this really is, you know, this Whoever wins this game is safe. Whoever loses this game could go down, or whoever loses this game could stay up. I, I, I think Wolves. Um, I think Wolves will win that. To be fair, looking at They've it, certainly got the momentum that you'd say. And and again, this is where you know, Black Blackburn. You know, again, a lot of people are saying that it would be justice if Blackburn went down after the last ten or fifteen minutes of the game because if they'd have won that game, if they'd tried to win that game. Mm. That could have been the difference between them staying up or going down. Maybe, but I'm not sure you can blame on the last 15 minutes of a game against Man U. You blame. No, I mean, the other 36 games might have, might have had some bearing but, on know, it, I, I agree. I want them to go down because I just think it was unfair that Allardyce got, got sacked. Big Sam wouldn't have had them down there, would he? No chance. They'd have been comfortably in 10th. Yeah, he wouldn't have tried to get them any higher, but he cert- they certainly wouldn't have been lower down. So, 
looking at it and just kind of figuring it out now, I think it could be a very different looking 18th and 19th. I, I am going to go out on a limb and say that Blackburn and Birmingham are going to go down. So 15th and 17th are going to go down. You won't find a dissenting voice over here, Trevor. <laughs> really? That. I love it. Yeah, great. Brilliant. Let's get some new teams up. Let's get Blackpool another season. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, that's it. It is going to be a mammoth Sunday uh, or Monday morning here for uh, for the Premier League what, for those five teams. What are you going to watch? Got no idea. <laughs> I'll have to, I'm going to have to impossible, set It's impossible, isn't it? Well, that's 1am, isn't it? Awful timing. I mean, that is the middle of the night, isn't it? Well, it's yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's no staying up. There's no getting up early. That's just bang in the middle of the night. Yeah. I, I don't know what to watch. I'm getting the feeling that they're not going to show West Ham Sunderland. Because <laughs> I'd still watch that. <laughs> Would you? Yeah. Wouldn't you not? That's <laughs> commitment. Would you not? Because I, I got up for the oh, week. Of course, I'm going to watch Villa Liverpool. We got, yeah, we've got a few places to play for. I'm going to flick to the others. Unless one of them is a ding-dong, and then I'm like... No, I would still watch West Ham, but they're not going to show it. So I'm going to have to pick. I think I'd probably. Pick... Are they going to show all of them across, like probably the three channels? Well, I mean, what else is on at one in the morning? I don't know. I'd I imagine they, that I they'd have they Fox Sports one, two, and three with four games on each, viewers' choice on each. Probably should have found out soon as we do a podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll let you know next week. Anyway, um, but I think I'll watch Wolves Blackburn because they're two teams right in the thick of it. Cool. So. All right, well, it's going to be a fascinating Sunday and uh, obviously we'll pick the bones out of the end result uh, next week and we'll also be previewing the Champions League final, the showdown between Manchester United and Barcelona at Wembley. So uh, look forward to catching you next week. Enjoy the weekend, enjoy your football. We'll see you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.